0: we are thankful. We give thanks to God for His love, His mercy, and His faithfulness. We give thanks for family and friends, life and laughter, and the little things which bring joy to our lives. We give thanks for our circumstances, even when they're difficult. For we know the hand of God guides us through it all. But what if we remembered thankfulness every day? What if we lived in a constant state of gratitude? Would our lives be different? Would our faith be strengthened? Would the things of God permeate every aspect of our lives? The Bible tells us to give thanks in everything. What would life look like if we actually lived that out? Today, we are reminded of all we have to be thankful for. May that gratitude move our hearts and cause us to make every day thanksgiving.
1: Amen. Well, today is Thanksgiving Sunday, and I do ask that you guys forgive me again this week. I will be preaching with a cough drop in my mouth. These leaves falling apparently has triggered my allergy. So in our house, it is allergy central, and we carry cough drops everywhere we go. So if you hear me rattling around, I do ask that you forgive me. However being Thanksgiving Sunday, I would say that most of us are familiar with the traditional Thanksgiving story, right? The story that we hear in history class and the story that we grew up listening to where William Bradford of of Plymouth Rock proclaimed a day of Thanksgiving to celebrate the survival of the pilgrims in their second year in the new world, as well as an abundant harvest that they had reaped with the aid of the Native Americans. We know that story, right? However, As I was doing some reading this week and and doing some studying on Thanksgiving, most people actually don't know that the first American Thanksgiving did not happen in 1621. It did not occur then with this group of pilgrims who shared their feast with a, a friendly group of Native Americans. Actually, from what I've read, the first recorded Thanksgiving took place in Virginia 11 years earlier, and it wasn't a feast at all. It was actually a very tragic story, and I want to share it with you. The story said that in the winter of 1610 at Jamestown, it had reduced a group of 409 settlers all the way down to 60 people. The story said that 409 settlers were reduced down to a small group of 60. And then the survivors, they began to pray for help. And they were praying very blindly because they did not know when help would come or how it might come. So they just hit their knees and they said, Lord, you know we need help. Send it to us. And so they began to pray. And then when help arrived, it came in the form of a ship that was filled with food and supplies from England. A prayer meeting was then held and it was a gathering of prayer and thanks to God. You see, when we hear that story, many of us might think, Man, how could they give thanksgiving, how could they give praise and thanks in such a hard time, right? Because I, I, I don't think we can fathom that, what, what they went through, those, those, those old settlers in the 1600s. I mean, they didn't have the modern things that we have. They didn't have all the stuff that we have. They relied on what they brought and what they could get from the land. And there was over 400 of them, and they were, they were, they were eager, and they were ready, and then winter came, and with the cold and the disease, over 400 people dwindled down to just 60. How many of us could say that if we lost over 350 of our friends, we would say, i want to give thanks. You see, many of us could understand that maybe they just didn't feel thankful, right? We could understand that, that they would just want to grieve. However, the opposite was true. They realized how much they had to be thankful for. Isn't that amazing, church? That's such a hardship. Around 350 people were killed, yet the survivors said, we still have things to be thankful for. How amazing is that, church? Now, If I'm allowed to, you guys have always let me speak openly. I'm going to this morning as well. I would say in comparison to them that we often find ourselves not being too thankful. That often we find ourselves in a spot where we don't realize how blessed we are or how thankful we ought to be. Would you guys agree with me on that this morning? to say that we probably aren't as thankful as we need to be. At least I am not at many times. Until the reality is we're not as thankful we ought to be until we have what we have is threatened to be taken away. In other words, we take it for granted. And as soon as it's threatened to be taken away, then, oh, I can't believe it's gone. I'm so thankful for that. We've seen a lot of that this past year, haven't we, church? I read one time about gratitude and thanksgiving. Someone said, gratitude is the source for all other Christian virtues. It is the source of all of our virtues, gratitude toward God. Everything, every virtue we have is grounded in thanksgiving and gratitude. And so if that be the case, then perhaps we need to reason that ingratitude may well be the source, or at least for many, the faults as well. So if gratitude is the source of all of our virtues, then maybe ingratitude is the source of all of our faults and all of our negativity. You see, when we begin to take for granted what God has done for us, we then become very calloused and we become very filled with pride at which point God can no longer use us when we allow ingratitude to set in. You see, for a Christian, every day needs to be a day of thanksgiving. Can we say that, church? Every day needs to be thanksgiving, not just the last Thursday of November. Do we agree on that? That as Christians, realizing what God has done for us, every day needs to be thanksgiving. And I want to show you how we can do this. So go with me to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. And this is a story of of one of Jesus' miracles. Luke chapter 17, and we're going to begin reading verse 11 and go all the way to verse 19. This is such a beautiful story. And listen to what the Word of God has to say. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance, though and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master. They recognized who he was. They said, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, this is amazing, they had leprosy. Listen to what it says. They were cleansed. How amazing is that, church? And don't you think that this disease, we're going to talk about that here in a little bit, don't you think they'd be excited and energized, that they're cleansed, they'd all be showing gratitude, right? Well, look at verse 15. One of them. Mm. When he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. The outsider came. The guy who didn't belong came. And praised God and gave him thanks. And Jesus said, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise except this foreigner? Mm. And then he said to them, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. You see, here in this passage of scripture, There were 10 lepers who met Jesus, and upon Jesus meeting, they had this life-changing encounter with him. And if you would actually really, we're going to do it here in just a minute, but if you would really break this story down to its simplest components, if you would break it down to its very simple parts, you would see that this story is an illustration of every Christian's story. If you are a Christian, if you have accepted Jesus into your life this morning, this is your story. Did you know that? Let me explain why. Think about it. Just like those lepers, we too were outcast from the kingdom of God. You see, leprosy caused them to be outcast because of their disease. They could not be in the kingdom. They could not be the the earthly kingdom at the time. They could not be in towns. They could not be in cities. They had to be outcast because of their disease. Well, you and I had a disease as well. You know what it was called? It's called sin. And we were outcast because of our sin, and, and we were certain death. Leprosy to them, it meant death. Well, guess what sin means to us, church? It means death. And because, just like those lepers, they were outcast, we were outcast. well, guess what? Just like those lepers, we had a life-changing event. If you have accepted Jesus in your life, you know what I'm talking about. That's a life-changing inter- encounter, isn't it, church? Hallelujah, amen to that. We're healed just like they were healed. And we talked about this last week. We talked about how remembering is important, right? We all need to remember where we were. Now, we don't need to think back and think, oh, the pleasures of sin, those were awesome. No, sin is disgusting. And we don't need to think back about the pleasures of sin. What we need to do is we need to think back and remember how nasty we were and where God brought us from. And and, and Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah actually talks about this in Isaiah 51.1. He said, listen to me, you who pursue righteousness and who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut and to the quarry for which you were honed. In other words, he says, look at where God has brought you from and remember what God has done for you. Don't forget it. Remember what God has done. Visit again in your mind, he says, the place where you first met God and you've received his mercy and grace. Church, if you're a Christian in here this morning, if you're listening in online, I want you to think about that moment. Think about that encounter that you had, just like the leper had that encounter with God where he was cleansed. You and I, those of us who've accepted Jesus in our lives, we had that encounter where Jesus said, now go, you are cleansed, you're healed. Think about that moment. Think about where he brought you from. However, what's so significant about these lepers who were healed is that out of 10, there were there were 10 of them who were healed church and one one of them came back and said thank you one out of 10 now <laughs> now if we would Turn that into translation for today. If we would make this look like it is today in today's humanity, what he's saying here is nine out of 10 people have never come back to God and said thanks. Nine nine out of 10 people in today's society live in ingratitude, meaning they don't have thankful hearts. Nine out of 10 of us. Think about that in the sanctuary this morning. Nine out of 10 of us. It's a very small group in here would have turned around and said, thank you. It's kind of personal when you think about it that way, right? Nine out of 10 of us don't show God any kind of gratitude. If in comparison to the story, a very small group would actually be the ones who have gratitude. It's very sad when we think about it that way. But here's what we need to do. We need to break this story down, okay? So, here, if you have your notes, go ahead and get them out. They're in the bullets. And if you're taking notes, the first is this: we need to notice the leper's condition. Like I said, we're going to break down what it meant to be a leper. You see, most of us ha- have heard stories uh, of leprosy, but we really don't understand the horrors of having leprosy, especially in the biblical times. It was a horrible disease to have. It was it was not only that there was pain from the disease, because the disease literally ate your flesh. They said your limbs would fall off. Not to to get too graphic with the children in here. How However, they literally body parts would fall off. Is how disgusting this disease was. It was, and it caused a lot of pain. They were all the time in constant pain. They said the pain would just never go away. However, on top of that, they had there's a stigma around this disease. There were not only just this physical pain; they also had the shame of this disease. They had the societal shame. You see, the Mosaic law pronounced a leper as being unclean. Not only did you have to deal with the pain, but you also had to be categorized as disgusting and unclean, and you had to walk around saying, I am unclean. You had to pronounce that. They could no longer live with their families. They could no longer enter into the temple. So because of that, they were by law required to live outside the city. They were complete alienated outcasts. The law required that they rend their clothes as a sign of extreme sorrow and that their faces be covered and they were to pronounce unclean wherever they went and their faces were hidden, hidden, representing no form of intimacy could be, known, could be shown to them. See, the, the, the Hebrew tradition is the face is where the intimacy happens, the face is where is where you connect with a person and they said in the hebrew tradition that you didn't actually know a person until you were able to see their face and so not only did they have to live outside the city and say i'm unclean but they had to hide their faces and they say you get nothing You get no form of intimacy. You get absolutely nothing. And when the Jews were commanded to seek the face of God, it's really interesting. When they were commanded to seek his presence, the same word that is used for face is actually used for presence. Meaning what we have to do now is you got to cover your face. You are absolutely alien. We don't even want to know who you are. You get nothing. Think about that condition, church. And so to be a leper, it meant no intimacy with anyone, no friendship, no family. You were totally isolated. You were a total outcast. Leprosy was regarded as a disease, and this is what gets even worse, is as that as the, the Jews supposed that the inflicted person, it was a punishment for a sin to God. So they had to deal with the pain of the disease and, and their bodies literally just falling apart. They had no intimacy with anyone. They had to cover themselves. They, there was zero intimacy Then they were shunned from society, and then they had to live with the reality of, well, did I sin of something? What did I do wrong? I mean, think about his condition. If you were a leper, you literally lost everything, your job, your family, your money, your intimacy, your friends, everything. You were completely alienated. And then, if you look at verse 12, it describes the lepers as standing afar, the tradition said that they had to stand at least a hundred paces away from anyone. It was, a, it was a horrible, horrible condition to be in. And the reason I've spent so much time describing leprosy this morning is because I want us to get a picture of our sin. Because if we think about leprosy, what, what we see is, is we see Satan's wishes to do this to every single one of us. Now, I'm not equating leprosy to sin. Sin is significantly more. Leprosy is just a, a, a human condition, okay? Sin is forever. Leprosy is an earthly, it's not going to go with us when we die. Sin will, Okay? So leprosy is nowhere near as dangerous as sin. However, what it does is it helps us get a picture of what sin looks like in our lives. You see, just like the leper, when you sin, when you live in sin, you too are isolated from true intimacy with God. You you cannot have intimacy with God when when you are in the state of sin, when you're in that condition. Like the leper, we too are outcasts when we live in sin. You're outcast from the kingdom of God. You, you cannot be in the kingdom and living in sin. You can't. It's impossible. You cannot have sin in your life and expect to enter into the kingdom of God. It's not the way it works. I know I'm not supposed to preach about that nowadays. I'm supposed to be motivational, but I want to preach the truth. And the truth is we are outcast if we live in sin. Just like the leper, we too, were in the process of losing everything to sin. Sin will make you make you pay. It'll take everything from you. And like the leper we too are being destroyed by that which is in our bodies which is the law of sin and death. That's the condition if you live in sin. So so notice the leper's condition because it's very similar to the condition of sin. The second thing then that we need to notice, so we notice his condition because that condition is a picture of where we were when we were living in sin. So if you're a Christian, guess what? You get to thank God that you're no longer in that condition. And if you are not a Christian in here, let's talk about it because we want to help you get out of that condition, okay? So if you're, if you are a Christian here, guess what? You get to say, thank you, Lord, I'm out of that condition. The second thing we need to notice is the lepers cry. In verse 13, we're told that as Jesus was about to enter into the city, these lepers had to stand afar And they cried out, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And that's really all they could do. They were given no hope when they were in the condition of leprosy. Zero hope was given to them. No physician could heal them. No medicine could cure them. They were completely helpless when this deadly disease took them. There was nothing And as we think about how we believe that we're sufficient, what we have to realize is that we are incapable of handling our life, church. They were incapable. They couldn't do anything. They had to cry out to Jesus. And when we are living in sin, when when we are in that condition, we're incapable of it. The truth is we are born helpless into this world, and we are helpless to stand before sin and Satan. Church, listen to me. If you try to conquer sin yourself, guess what's going to happen? You are going to lose every single time. Well, I can get out of this. I'll be a better person before I come to God. No, you won't. Because you cannot exit sin yourself. We cannot tackle sin and Satan ourselves, guys. Only God can do that. And so we are helpless in that state. The lepers, the only hope they had was placed on this man named Jesus Christ, who we now know is our Savior. That's the only hope they had. Everything had come down to this moment everything. They were completely helpless and hopeless. Yet, it came down to this very moment, the hope of Jesus Christ. Church, aren't you glad that when your only hope is placed on Jesus, that he's enough? Isn't that something to testify about? Their only hope was this moment to say, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And what did he do? He had mercy on them. Church, when you you are in that condition, when you are in that state, when you are in complete hopelessness, remember, it's the hope of Jesus Christ that will sustain you, heal you, and take care of you. Isn't that something to testify about, church? How amazing is that? And what did Jesus do? Well, Jesus had compassion on them. And he told them to go and present themselves to the priest as the law commanded. Because the priest, as the law said, would inspect them, and then the, the, the priest would be the ones to give them the clean bill of health so they could rejoin the communities and the families. And, well, why did Jesus tell them to do this? Why didn't he just heal them, right? Well, it's because faith is always required. Church, w- without faith, we have nothing. We have to have faith in these circumstances. The story of the leopard in Matthew chapter 8, if you go to Matthew chapter 8, you'll see this story. He came to Jesus, and he what did he do? He confessed his faith faith. And what what happened? Jesus healed him by just touching him. All because of what? The faith. They went on by faith, just as they were told. And what happened, church? They were healed, amen? Because Jesus said, go. They were healed. The word of Christ healed them, and they believed they were healed. This was by faith. They were not healed first and then told to go get the priest. They had to act on faith. How amazing is that, church? Jesus said, go, and what'd they do? They went. You see, we have to have that kind of faith, church. Jesus has given us many, many commands, and we have to have faith that he's going to take care of us in the midst of these trials, in the midst of these conditions. We have to have faith that he's going to be able to be enough for us. We have to have faith in the hope of Jesus Christ, amen? So here he was, the leper's condition, this horrible condition. Well, then he cried out, but when he cried out, what did God do? God took care of them, right? Because Jesus' hope is enough. So then what do we need to notice? Well, we need to notice one leper's celebration. The one leper's celebration. You see, we are told as they began their journey to the priest that they were cleansed. And what is significant is out of the 10, only one reacted differently than the rest. One turned around and gave thanks. The Bible says that he saw that he was healed he turned back, and he glorified God, and he came to Jesus, and he gave thanks. How amazing is that, church? The Bible says that he saw he was healed, and the others, no doubt, saw they were healed too, but there was something different about him, that he turned around, and he said, thank you. Now, there's there's an old Jewish story that actually illustrates this point very well, There's a man who goes to a rabbi, and he complains, and he says, life is unbearable. Life is horrible. There are nine of us living in one room. What can I do? Life is so bad. There's there's nine of us. We're cramped in here. Things are just disgusting. I can't live in this anymore. What can I do, rabbi? And the rabbi looks at him and says, okay, here's what I need you to do. Take your goat and let it live with you nine in that room. And, And the man looks at him and says, no, and the pre- and the rabbi says no, no. Here's what I need you to do: take your goat, take it into your room, and just just do it, do it for me, for one week, just one week. Take your goat and let it live with you nine men in that room. And the man finally said, "Whatever, I'll, I'll give it a try. If this will help my circumstance, I'll do it." So for one week, the man and his and his eight friends and nine of them, and they lived with this goat in their room. And finally, after a week went by, he came up to the rabbi and said, I've had enough. What is your point? It is disgusting. I can't stand this. What is happening? He goes, why did you tell me to do this? It's disgusting. It's horrible. And the man said, all right, the rabbi said, all right, here's what I need you to do. For one week, let your goat out. Let it go. Do not bring it back into your room. Clean up the mess. Let the goat out. Well, a week went by. And the man came back and said, oh, rabbi, life is beautiful. We enjoy every moment of it. It's so great. There's no goat and there's only nine of us. The circumstance was the same as it was in the beginning, church. But what changed? Well, the perspective changed. His perception changed. He realized that he was blessed to begin with. Something he was complaining about in the very beginning, now he's giving God thanks for. You see, do we really perceive the way God has blessed us, church? Do we, do we actually see the way God has blessed us, or are we too busy complaining about our current c- circumstance that we cannot, we are blinded to what God has blessed us with? You see, we're all here, right? We all, we all woke up this morning, Amen we all have clothes on our backs. Amen. We all got here some way or another. Amen. We had awesome food and hospitality. So we have food in our bellies and coffee in our bellies. Amen to that one, especially the coffee, right? We have so much to be thankful for, but most importantly, as a Christian, we have been given everything by Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen, church. We have things to be thankful for. Church, listen to me. The devil will do his best to keep your mind off the blessings of God. That's his job. He, scripture says he is the father of lies. He wants to tell you you don't have it well. He wants you to compare yourselves to other churches. He wants you to compare yourself to other people. He wants you to compare yourselves to other, other families. Why? Why does he want to do that? Because he wants you to think that God hasn't blessed you. Because then what? You'll begin to grumble, complain, and live neg- negativity. You'll begin to blame God. And that's the job of the enemy is he wants us to turn away. And so by doing this, by saying, you don't have enough, we say, God, why am I not enough? And we go to complain to God instead of having a heart of worship and a heart of thanksgiving. You see, he will constantly tell you how bad you have it and how everything in your life is wrong. But it's when you realize how much you have in the Lord that you will truly begin to be thankful. And when you are thankful, your heart will abound with love for the Lord and everything that he has graciously given to you. It's all about, and it starts with gratitude and thanksgiving, church. I read this week, and I wrestled back and forth on whether I wanted to say it out loud, but I will. I I even hollered across the hall to Tanya. I said, Tanya, should I say this? And she said, I don't know. You choose. I said, okay. (laughs) But I read it, and I'm going to put it in my sermon. It says, an unthankful Christian is a defeated Christian because they have lost their joy. Are we defeated this morning, church? An unthankful Christian is a defeated Christian. Are we thankful or are we defeated this morning? You see, I want you to note the priority of gratitude in this story, okay? I want you to see the leper's priorities. When he saw that he was healed, what did he do? He turned around. He turned around. Now, the Lord had given him a command. What did did Jesus say? He said, go tell the priest. There's a direct command for him to leave where he was and go tell the priest. Yet he was delayed. He stopped and he turned around he went back to the Lord. Well, Why didn't didn't Jesus rebuke him for this? Well, the reason is because this man realized the priority of gratitude and worship. He was going to go tell the priest. He was going to go tell him. However, he understood before I go tell the priest, I need to go tell God how thankful I am for what he's provided me. I need to go tell my savior, my master, what he's done for me and give him thanks for that. You see, he understood the priority of gratitude and worship. And if you remember the past few weeks on Wednesdays, our our, our Wednesday crew remember, we've talked about the importance of worship and how it's the main thing and how God has called his church to glorify him. Ladies and gentlemen, I stand here before you this morning and tell you, we need to glorify God and give him thanks in all circumstances. I believe that this man fully intended to obey the Lord and do what Jesus has told him to do, but he realized that there was a higher calling that must come first, and that is gratitude and worship. You can go handle your business, you got to handle the business, but first got to give God praise. You see, if you don't give God thanks... It won't be long before your obedience just becomes a job and obligation. You just lose the meaning of of what God is wanting you to do. You become unthankful. But it's fitting and proper to give God thanks and praise for what he's done in your life. And it'll change your perspective. When you prioritize worship and thanksgiving, it's going to change your heart. And you're going to see things through a totally different lens. I love what Rick Warren said. He said, in happy moments, praise God. In difficult moments, seek God. In quiet moments, worship God. In painful moments, trust God. In every moment, thank God. Amen, church? So as we head into Thanksgiving this week, I want each of us to remember the story of this leper. Remember the condition he was in. Remember what he said. Sometimes, sometimes we're going to find ourselves in that spot where we just have to say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. I can't do this without you. I'm hopeless and I'm helpless. I need you. But when, when God comes through and he comes through every day, we've got to be like that one leper. Don't be like the other nine. Be like that one leper. Go take care of business when it's time to take care of business. But first and foremost... Turn around and give God thanks. And remember this verse, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, listen to this right here, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And why does he say that, church? Well, look at verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So this holiday season, if you want to have peace, if you want to have joy, if you want to lay down your anxiety, if you want to stop worrying about everything, give this a try. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, give it to God. And you will again no longer be a defeated Christian, but you will be a Christian that gives thanks and can have the peace and joy once again as provided by Jesus Christ. Amen. Stand to your feet with us again as our worship team comes to lead us. And church, as you leave today, let me encourage you. Give thanks to God. Amen.
2: Amen. All right, we're going to leave you with a little different song this morning. All right, as we were thinking about, this was our Thanksgiving service. Margot brought a song to the table that really hit the past two years. Ben Rector is a folk singer, but he penned the Thanksgiving song through the height of COVID. And how we looked at COVID and how the changes were just coming so fast and so huge. And then we hit the holidays and we were still dealing with changes. Some of us weren't meeting with family. Some of us weren't meeting with friends. But every year changes. Some of us are getting ready to walk into holiday season where we're not having people with us that we had last year. They've gone to heaven. Times change, but our thankfulness and those moments with our family never change. They're still going to be there, and God is still going to be in the midst of it. So it's a little different. It's a little fun. We're probably going to mess up, and we're probably going to laugh, and that's okay. You can laugh with us. All right?
1: be thankful for don't we church so as you leave here today here's what i want you to do tell one person something that you're thankful for okay and as we leave here today let's let everybody out there see us leave here with smiles and gratitude in our hearts amen all right you guys are uh, you guys are dismissed god bless you guys hope you all have a happy thanksgiving see you next week